Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business, or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hello, 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 friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Dream Bigger podcast. I am really excited for today's episode because I feel like it nicely closes the loop, I guess, on my whole breast reduction surgery. So if you're new here, I recently had breast reduction done. I did a whole solo episode on it. But today I actually brought my surgeon, Dr. Daniel Barrett, on the podcast to answer other like FAQs and just like common things around surgery, which I thought were really interesting. So if you're not familiar with him, Dr. Daniel Barrett is a board certified plastic surgeon in Beverly Hills, California. He is super well known for being a booby doctor and also his, I guess, like nickname is the natural plastic surgeon because he's really into kind of supporting your surgery with more natural modalities, which I'm really into. And like the look that he gives you is also like very natural and like, it's almost like that did she or didn't she vibe, you know? So he did a phenomenal job with my breast reduction. I had a combination procedure. I got breast reduction, lift, and um, fat transfer. And we talk about all of that in today's episode. We talk about all the common questions that you guys might have, like the difference between breast augmentation and, you know, fat transfer or like uh, the the recovery process that a breast reduction entails, you know, things about breastfeeding. I get so many questions and I asked him all of them. So he was very thorough. It's a really great conversation and I think you guys will really enjoy it. It'll also give you an idea of what you should look for if you are going in for plastic surgery. I know I was really thorough with my research and I was just really happy with the fact that I went with Dr. Barrett at the end. And you guys know this, I've talked about this on stories if um, if you do follow me. So I've been really vocal about the fact that I've been very happy with my doctor and I'm happy to bring you this interview as a resource in case you ever are interested in plastic surgery. So before before we dive into the episode, a couple of things. First and foremost is this week's hot tip, which is 
the G Beauty Prime Skin, which is one of my favorite, like very, very lightweight. I wouldn't call it a foundation. I almost like categorize it in the tinted moisturizer category. So I like to wear it either in the day or I wear it in the evening when I'm going out. It just kind of gives me like a flawless finish and it's very lightweight. So like it's, it still allows my skin to breathe. I really don't like heavy foundations or anything like that. If I do want to wear something on my skin, I just want something to give me like a flawless finish. And G Beauty Prime Skin is like one of my favorites. I've used it for years now and I'm like constantly rotating things. So it's nice to bring back an old favorite. So it's been like a mainstay in my makeup routine for the last few weeks and I've just been loving it. So go check them out. And then this week's review comes to us from Daniela B3. And she says, love this podcast. Such great wellness tips, tricks, and influencers. I love hearing how different women have grown their businesses while still managing to maintain a healthy lifestyle and even raise a family. I would love for you to have Lauren Ireland on from Summer Fridays or Melissa Wood on her fitness business. Well, Lauren and Melissa, if you guys are listening, come on my podcast. This is a guest request or yeah, listener request. So Thank you guys so much for writing in reviews like this. And I actually really appreciate the guest suggestions as well because it just helps me figure out who you guys want to hear from, what you're interested in. And it helps me shape how I do my interviews, who I'm having on, you know, how I shape my solos. So if you guys do have suggestions, please send them in to me and let me know what you're loving about the podcast. So If you are looking for a way to support the show and if you have two seconds, please, please take a second to leave me a review. All you have to do is open the Apple podcast app. You may already have it open. Scroll to the bottom where it says uh, leave a rating and review. Leave me a five star rating and I want to hear from you in in the review section. So yeah, that would mean the world to me. And also I am still giving away my journaling worksheet to anyone who writes me a review, takes a screenshot and sends it to my email, sifa.h91 at gmail.com. My team will put it in the show notes. So you guys can just click and send me that review screenshot and I'll send you a little journaling work worksheet. It's you know something I've used for years and I hope it benefits you in your journaling journey. So anyway, with that, let's dive into this week's interview with Dr. Daniel Barrett. People are just, they don't realize that there is a different way, you know, and like you can get better through like different modalities, like different supplements. And I'm, I'm just, I'm so impressed with the fact that like, that's part of kind of your practice and how you approach patients. I think it's very refreshing. Well, I mean, I think my bottom rule, my fundamental rule is how would I want to be treated? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, do I want to wait long for my appointment? Do I, w- I want to make sure I get a good value for for money that I'm paying? I want to be treated with respect. I want people to actually care. Mm-hmm. If you ever go into a place that like, you know, people really don't have any passion about what they're doing yes. for you. You know, it's just like, you know, they don't really, you're just another, you're just another cog in the wheel or they're another cog in the wheel and you don't get, you know, it's, it's like, you know, at the DMV, you know, you're, you're going to get your driver's license for the first time and they're just, they're just like, next. You yeah. Know, it's just uh, like, you know, nobody's excited for you. No. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not expecting that at the DMV, God knows. And, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's just like when you go to a plastic surgery office, I mean, if you, if you buy a supplement, it's like, you know, you, you know, some of these, some of these like foods, these cereals, you know, the, these companies are so far removed from actually caring about people, you know? And so and that's why I like, I like your products because it seems like you have a lot of passion yeah. behind your product line and you have you really care. You care about the effectiveness. You care about the health of the people that are actually taking these products. And 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 that's how I feel too, is like, I want to go in, if I'm going to get plastic surgery by somebody, I want somebody who's passionate about totally. it, really cares about the finer details because there's things I do during surgery that nobody's ever going to know the difference, but I know it's going to be making mm-hmm. a difference, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, 
I, at the end of the day, I go home and I judge myself. I'm like, look, did I do the best work that I can do today? You know? And, and that's, that's what I care about. Like you really want to change people's lives, right? right. Like, and I think plastic surgery like does that massively. Yeah. Like I see that in myself. Like I, I like, now I've just been texting my friends being like, why didn't I do this sooner? Yeah. Like, I just, I wish I had. And like plastic surgery really has the ability to change lives. And it like, does. you know, I feel the same way about our business as well. That like, I, for me, I'm very like purpose-driven. And I knew that I, I wasn't someone who was ever gonna start a business to start a business. It had to be something that like I really cared about. And like to know that I touch people's lives and like the emails we get and like, it's the same for you guys, right? Like just constantly like yeah. you changed my life. And I'm get, like, oh yeah. my God, that's- I get, th- I mean, even you telling yeah. me, I mean, I, and, I'm, and I'm very grateful for you as a patient and thank you for trusting me with your body because that's a, that's, a, that's like a most important thing, right? It's like, Huge, you know, yeah. you're, not, you're not going out there buying a car. Of course you want your car to be safe and whatnot, but like, if you don't like the seats, whatever, you trade it in two years, right? If you're not happy with like a surgery on your body, it affects you for the rest of your life, you know? Totally. So I do take that very seriously. And and I always remember that when I go into each room, no matter how busy it gets, I'm always just remembering, all right, here's is this person's first time. And it goes back to, again, like how would I want to be treated, you know? And then and then I add in a bunch of other stuff, like the, like the recovery stuff, the supplement stuff, because we want recovery to be fast. We all busy. We want to get back. We want to heal, right? We want to have less complications, right? And so it's like, if I don't support that whole process of the person as a whole, like my surgical outcomes are not going to be as mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. and my patient's going to suffer. So also I have to out. add when I went through recovery with you guys, I actually, and I know every person is different. Every like cases different, but I actually never had to take prescription grade painkillers. And right. I used your CBD oil, which yeah. is phenomenal. Thank I have you. to like call it out incredible. Yeah. And I obviously used magnesium as well. And yes. then like I used Tylenol for the first few days as well, but that's literally all I needed. Like that is wild. And obviously right. Arnica was incredible too. Like it really helped with the inflammation. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So, I mean, thank you. These are products that I've, I've kind of researched and we've gone through different companies and it's not about a profit incentive on in these. The, the only one that we've actually gone off and, and made our own as a CBD right mm-hmm. now because we needed certain specific things that were specific for surgery healing. Yeah. I need it. Like I don't need, I don't need CBD that helps you focus because there's, there's all kinds of blends of CBD and there's terpenes that you can add to them, mm-hmm. you know, having it organic, having it totally. high concentration and, and having, I didn't want to have any sweeteners in it. I wanted it all natural. Right. So, cause that's, that's important to me. I mean, Stevia is kind of, you know, I, they wanted to put Stevia and I was like, no, I was mm-hmm. like, like, let's, you don't even need it. You don't need it. And so, you know, we, we came up with that CBD because I just needed something specific for post-surgical pain mm-hmm. and, and helping you sleep afterwards and not using narcotics, which I think are garbage, by the way. So I'm, I'm wonderful. That, I'm glad that hurts. But then there's other products. These are not my products, but I've, I've taken them. I've tested them out and, and we do sell them in the office, but it's not really to make money off of these products. It's, it's to provide an endorsed product that we recommend to help you heal. Magnesium, I like bio-optimizers because there's seven different types of magnesium in there and you get mm-hmm. the most absorption. Um, so it helps bowel movement after, you know, if you get, you know, constipation from all the anesthesia, it helps with the muscle tightening, it helps with sleep at night. So mm-hmm. all those things, that's why we we recommended that for you to take. Yeah, it honestly, incredible protocol. I yeah. have, I mean, obviously, you know, but I recommend you to everyone under the sun who will listen to me. Like I have people being like, I'm booking my consult. I'm like, go to him. He's the best. Awesome. 
This is Amanda Hirsch from the Not Skinny But Not Fat podcast. You might know me from Not Skinny But Not Fat on Instagram, where I spend my time talking about reality TV, celebrities, everything happening, and pop culture every Tuesday, okay? I also talk to some of our favorite celebs and reality TV stars. We talk about what's going on. Tune in every Tuesday and just feel like you're talking with your best friends in your living room. Let's dive into the yeah. questions. All right, let's I'm go. so stoked. Okay. So I think let's just dive right in and talk about breast reduction and some myths, okay? Okay. Because I remember when I was looking into breast reduction, the thing that I kept hearing is that recovery is like truly like the gnarliest process and it's you're gonna be down and out for like months and like all of these like things, right? So what are some myths around breast reduction specifically that you hear a lot? So I, I think that's a myth. I think if you go and you get the right procedure done and you have a surgeon who does a lot of pre-injection with numbing medicine mm -hmm. and uses appropriate surgical technique, you actually will feel relieved when you wake up from surgery. It's one of the few operations where my patients wake up and literally when I'm transferring to the gurney, they feel like a weight's been lifted off their chest. Mm -hmm. So that's rare. That doesn't really happen with anything else. So that's definitely a myth. Breast reduction should be a very positive procedure immediately. And then not only do that, does it, it functionally feels good. Cosmetically, it feels good too. It looks good. You fit in and clothes better. It's just like a, it's like a win-win. They're my happiest patients. I mean, clearly you're like ecstatic and I love it. You know? And so it's, I've, all I've been doing is shopping. Yeah. Like it's, it's actually problematic. <laughs> right. I know. I mean, it's funny. It's like people come to me, it's not how their body looks naked. It's like what, like what clothes they could fit into. Yeah. It's, 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 that's what it's all about. And it's not about their husband. It's not about their boyfriend. It's about themselves and what clothing can fit in. And, it's, and that's what our society is sometimes. But it's fun. It's great. It's, life is short, so go for it. But so a couple of the myths with breast reduction is it really depends on the procedure. Mm -hmm. There's a type of breast reduction procedure that is by far superior than others. The old school way of doing it is this inferior pedicle Weiss pattern. It's an anchor scar. Yeah. Have you heard about that? Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure we talked about it during yes, the consultation. Yes, the first thing. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, and it uses your skin to hold the breast up, and it's this old school way. It takes it takes the volume out of the side of the breast, so the breast ends up looking flat and boxy, and it looks good on two-dimensional paper that we that we use during residency that we learn about it, and everybody learns about that. And that's what the majority of doctors do. There is a female doctor up in Canada named Betsy Hoffmanley, over 10 years now, probably like 20 years now. She developed a vertical breast reduction technique, meaning that it only uses an incision around the areola and a line going down. So it's called a lollipop incision. Mm -hmm. And then it combines liposuction with it as well. So you don't get these horizontal components. And it treats the breast as a three-dimensional structure, which is a far superior way to have the breast look. look. So one of the myths is that if I'm going to get a breast reduction, I'm going to have all these horrible scars. So you don't need that. If you go to the right doctor that does a lollipop or vertical breast reduction technique, you don't need to have those, those crazy horizontal scars. So make sure that if you're going to get breast reduction and in no size, doesn't matter, any size can be done, the vertical breast reduction, you want to make sure that your doctor can do that technique. I went and I learned with, from her yeah. exactly how to do this procedure. And now it's the only thing I do because it's far superior. What do you do afterwards for uh, scar reduction? So I have, you know, scar reduction, scar reduction, it starts with your inflammatory state in your body, uh -huh. okay? So I want people to be healthy, not stressed out going into surgery. Yeah. We want to handle the tissues minimally during surgery. So there's a lot of surgical technique involved. I'll spare you with a lot of the details. And then the closure. I close all the breast incisions in five layers. Uh -huh. It's kind of like lasagna, right? You know, five-layer lasagna, bring all the layers back together very precisely. Your body's like, oh, nothing happened. Like this is, hey, you were just here. And you, you put it right back together, right? So it doesn't need to put out all the scar tissue to close the gap. 
So that's where it starts. And then the scar management protocol afterwards. So we, we tape all of our incisions for six weeks afterwards, and that prevents little micro movements in the skin mm-hmm. so that it has time to develop that strength across. And then at six weeks, we start a scar gel. I recommend Scanuva. Mm-hmm. It's not my product, but I think it's the best product out there right now. Has silicone gel in it, has some fetal, fetal growth factors in it. And I think it has some lightening agents in it too to help reduce pigmentation. And that helps. We do that for at least three months afterwards. And then if we have to after that, we can do a little CO2 laser on top of that. And that's that's been our secret to minimizing scar. It's not our secret. We tell everybody, we tell other surgeons, you do this. Because, <laughs> you know, it's like the more we make plastic surgery more mainstream and least, less complications, the more people get plastic surgery, the more that we all benefit. And, yeah. And I feel it's, better It's actually that. such a great way of thinking about it. So it's like, I, I respect that. What about deciding on a size? How do you work with a patient to decide on a size that works for them? Because, you know, like a lot of the DMs I've been getting lately has been like, oh, like, like, how did you know you were going to be happy with your size? So like, what's that process like? So it's very patient dependent. So I, I asked my patient to do a lot of soul searching and I try to keep you within a happy medium. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happy medium is something that kind of matches your body. Right? Yeah. I have some people that want, I want absolutely nothing at all. And I'm mm-hmm. like, we really don't want that because most of the time you, you don't want that. You'll end up looking like a bowling pin. Right. Yeah. And so I try to kind of steer people, but I still will sometimes do that. And mm-hmm. it, it never looks great when yeah. I do it. And these are people that are like double whammy. I don't care. And then they end up actually happy that there's, that, that is completely flat, but these are people that really, really, really want that. Okay. I know people feel like they want that when they have very big breasts and they're like, God, just get rid of them completely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But but there is a point where you go too far and then the grass is always greener, right? Mm-hmm. So first of all, your breasts are too big. Now they're too small. So, you know, what you don't want is that to do reduce somebody so much so that then they want to come back and get an augmentation. Yeah. And then you're just like, you're just doing two operations instead of one. So it starts with the patient to do soul searching, starts with a great consultation. And then I kind of guide them about what matches their body. You know, mm-hmm. there's small, medium, and large about what matches their body. And I generally try to keep people within that because we want to kind of balance the proportions that, that match your body. So for you, for example, I think we kind of, we, we, we did a result that kind of matched your goals. I think you showed me some photos and at the end result though, that we wanted to match your body. And I think we, we hit a run. What yeah, it was, it was absolutely perfect. Like yeah. I knew I never wanted to, cause I was a G and I never yeah. wanted to go down to an A. Yeah, I know it was a uh, real gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I never wanted to go down to an A because I wouldn't feel like myself in my body and right. it just wouldn't look proportional either. I don't yeah. think. So I was so happy with the final result that we had. And like, honestly, like, I think I look great in my clothes. Like it looks like it looks right, finally. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So one of the questions I get loads is about breastfeeding. Yeah. Now, I think that this is actually, if you could a- answer about both implants and reduction, okay. does going through like surgery on your breasts impact your ability to breastfeed in the future? The answer is yes. The short mm-hmm. answer is yes. And to varying degrees. So if mm-hmm. you're going to get a breast augmentation, the studies show, uh, I don't have specific data on my patients, although I, I probably should try to do some data on this, but I have lots of patients that go on and breastfeed. I haven't had anybody come back and tell me they haven't been able to breastfeed, mm-hmm. but that's not statistically significant because I haven't been doing a study and haven't been polling all my patients. Nationwide, there's studies that range from anywhere from 7 to 15% of women who get breast augmentation report difficulty breastfeeding. And that means that they can't- 7 to 15% isn't yeah. a large population though. It's not, it's not a huge percentage, yeah. right? So I like to think that my operation is different. I, I really try to pre- preserve, if you think about the glandular structure of what a mammary gland is. Uh-huh. It's like a pyramid. And at the top of that pyramid is a nipple, right? So what you don't yeah. want to do is disrupt those ducts that are going to the nipple. Mm-hmm. So when I when I design my operations, I always try to minimize that impact 
of, of that pathway to put the implant in to avoid the majority of the mammary gland uh, tissue. When it comes to breast reduction, we're actually taking mammary tissue. But the good news is you have so much of it, it's like, okay, you know, we have probably seven times the amount of mammary tissue that we actually need to successfully breastfeed. Dear Lord, okay. Right? Like for G, like, I mean, you could breastfeed a small village if you wanted to. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have like powerhouse. You could like, basically you have the ability to like squat 2,000 pounds with your breasts is basically what you what you have with Gs, you know? So it's just like, because you look at some women, they're eight cups and they they can breastfeed fine. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. You know yeah. what the human body can do? And then, and then they and then they upregulate and they can, and can control it. So, you know, when it comes to the, the resection pattern for a reduction, the statistics say that it's about 40% reduction in ability to breastfeed for breast reduction, mm -hmm. okay? And that varies, depends on what kind of study you want to do. So if breastfeeding is the most important thing you do in the world, I recommend that you don't have breast surgery at mm -hmm. all because then you just don't have to worry about it, right? Go have your kids breastfeed and then do it later. But conceptually, when we do uh, a breast reduction, we're, we're taking kind of a quadrant of the breast. We're taking the lower quadrant of the breast. And I really try to not mess with that apex going into the nipple portion so that there's always a connection of some glandular tissue connected to that nipple so that there is an ability to breastfeed afterwards. Very cool. So also something that I want to discuss is the fat transfer procedure that we did for, yeah, for my boobs, exactly. right? That was a nice touch. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I wanted a little bit more fullness at the top, but mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of do that without implants if possible, which is exactly. kind of what we did. So what what is the difference between implants and fat transfer if someone doesn't know? Well, breast implants are made typically now of cohesive mm -hmm. silicone gel. So it's gummy bear. They're very safe. They're very inert. They tend to hold shape very well, much more so than fat. Fat's kind of liquid. You put it in there and it kind of fluffs an area up, but it doesn't have any kind of like shape defining characteristics. So mm -hmm. it's great for this procedure because when we do a, uh, a lift associated with our breast reduction, there typically is a tiny bit of flatness at the top part of the breast. So you get this kind of this shelf appearance. So mm -hmm. what we do is we take a little bit of fat that we already harvested from that lateral part of the breast mm -hmm. and we put that right at that top portion. So you get this perkiness, this more of this kind of teardrop shape that starts and it gently goes down to the breast. So we find that that's like a win-win because we're taking fat where we don't want it. We're putting where we do want it and then we don't have to use an implant, right? For people that really want that pop and that perkiness, mm -hmm. an implant's the way to go. And then that's always going to really just be that high, pronounced, perky look at the top. But of course, there's complications associated with that. It's a much harder operation to do. And so most of the time, I just recommend it if we need to in a certain situation, just to put a little bit of fat there. Most people are happy with that. So actually, one interesting question that I kept getting is when it comes to armpit liposuction. Yeah. And what's really- Sounds so sexy. Truly. <laughs> Could there be a sexier I'm here for my armpit liposuction. <laughs> but you know, yeah. it's really interesting because this was a problem area for me mm -hmm. for an eternity. I had never in my life worn a tank top, tube top, nothing because it was like so problematic. Obviously, like I had to consider the bra anyway, but like on top of that, there was like a little pouch of fat. So how common is armpit lipo? Is it more so an issue that you see with women with bigger breasts with What's the deal there? Yeah, you nailed it. So women with larger breasts, they typically have more armpit fullness and that could be mm -hmm. fat or that actually can be axillary breast tissue. Mm -hmm. It can actually be real breast tissue that extends in a, in a tail pattern into the armpit. So we have to, that's when we did a good, good exam. I pinched it. I was like, oh yeah, this is just a little bit of fat. And it generally happens with people that have larger breasts. And so that's why we do that liposuction in that area to kind of take care of it. And then in certain situations, if it's actually glandular tissue, we need to remove that 
that tissue, and that can be done through direct excision, or now lately we've been doing an endoscopic technique to so that you don't have a big incision in your armpit. There was nothing for me. No, well, you didn't have glandular tissue, but you had fat. So we oh, just okay, we good. just took the fat, yeah. And that way we avoid any scars in that area. But it's a game changer, right? So it's again, it's about the bras and the clothes, I know. Huge. <laughs> so then if someone, like, how common is it just like, or how do you rather assess if someone has like glandular tissue or if it's fat? Like if a patient yeah. just comes in and say they have like, non G boobs, like regular size. Well, you know, people know they're like this, this sticks out of my bra and you can see it. It, it bulges like, like a peach almost yeah. and wow. versus fat kind of holds is fullness all the way down. Mm-hmm. But like glandular tissue will bulge distinctively. And, and then the, the sure way to tell is by exam, if you pinch it, mm-hmm. glandular tissue is firmer. Like if you pinch your breast, it's not fat. It's yeah. like there's firm tissue there. If you pinch your butt, it's, it's fat, right? Mm-hmm, so that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the difference. And how common is armpit lipo? Or like a lot of people. I get people in that come in just for armpit lipo all the time. I have really? videos on armpit lipo. I, I had a German TV pick up armpit liposuction from me for 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 whatever reason, and now I get a lot of people for armpit liposuction, like it's just with with breast reduction or just in general. Wow! And what's yeah. the recovery like? Soreness. Like yeah. for you, when we did your breast, we did your entire breast surgery, and then we did that that liposuction in the armpit. You probably had the most amount of pain, and just in that area. What yeah, it felt like I'd done like a hundred lat pull downs. That's yeah. how I explained it. I was like, Have you oh ever my done a hundred lat pull down? No, okay, but like but... I've done like twenty, and yeah. I've been like, oh, it was yeah. like the same, but like way way worse than that's worth. Exactly. Of, you know? Yeah. No, that, that's what I tell people. It's like you're not going to feel much for the breast. Breast is going to feel relieved um, because you finally lifted this burden. But you're gonna feel you're gonna feel this this liposuction result. It feels like you, you did a lot of work, big workout. It's not like this excruciating stabbing pain. So no, it's, it's very really not. Durable. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. So I know that you are like I'm sure that you've seen and like most people who are listening have heard about the whole Bella Hadid coming out about her nose drop, right? Yes. And how? And I mean, it, obviously she's had it for a while and mm-hmm. she came out and talked about it more recently. But how common is it for celebrities to be getting? procedures done without us knowing about it because and the reason I asked this is because these women are absolutely stunning and yeah. like you know it, like just flawless and right. you know I think that there are certain like I think people have like this false perception of like not what natural beauty is almost you I know, know. I would say that 95% of all celebrities get some kind of work done. Wow. And it's not because they're vain. It's because it's part of the job. Totally, right? yeah. They are under the most intense scrutiny. And my heart kind of goes out to them. I have a lot of patients that are, are celebrities, but it's a tough world. It's like, especially for women. Like how oh many God. roles exist for women who are over 30 years old? It, it, it drops off tremendously. So- but there's, there's a catch 22, right? Because it's like, is there some responsibility for people to be honest that they had worked on to get their, their looks this good for the general population? Because there's a, there's, a, there's a large portion of people that are looking up to them as role models. But at the same time, they're trying to get that another ad, that, that next gig mm-hmm. to keep their career alive. Yeah. And, and they don't want to admit that they had any work done because they don't want it to jeopardize them getting that role. What's really interesting here is that we all admit to getting eyelash extensions and facials and like, it's completely normal, you know, or like I have makeup on my face, right? But like, it's just- So do I, by the way. (laughs) I do it for the podcast. You look great. But I don't understand why there is this like almost like taboo or like hush-hushness when it comes to getting help beyond these like, I guess like 
easier procedures, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that's always kind of existed. It's getting, it's getting better. Thanks mm-hmm. in part to the Kardashians, but like, if you go on the East coast, nobody talks about plastic surgery. Yeah. It's really, you know? it's a very strange cultural I thing, know. I think. So you can kind of see how, how far we've come by just, you know, visiting the East coast and then, or even New York's, you know, New York's a little more popular, but still it's hush hush. And then coming to LA, it's very open here. Totally. People talk about their BBLs like, oh, I have my BBL, I have my nose done, you know, and they're proud of it. And they, you go to Rock on Rodeo Drive, which is just down there. And you'll see that people have stuff on their nose and they're just out there shopping, you know, it's much more accepted. I think it's going more mainstream because yeah. it's becoming safer. And, you know, people are, people are, are self-actualizing and they're realizing life is short and they want to feel good about their bodies. And I think as long as it's safe, it's, it's, it's something to be proud of. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Last question before we actually go into a rapid fire is oh, nice. what are some plastic surgery trends that you're seeing? Mm. You know, I think with the whole pandemic, mm-hmm. there's been a, a large focus on facial facial aesthetics and like neck double chin aesthetics. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting a lot of people that are coming in because they, you know, they have tech neck where they're, they've been hunched over or they feel like they have a double chin. So we've been doing a lot of neck liposuction, chin implants, people's appearance and how they look on Zoom. Wait, um, what does a chin implant do? So it's interesting. You, you know, people feel like they have a lot of fullness in their neck, but they actually could just have a hypoplastic chin, meaning uh-huh. that if your chin is, is retronathic, meaning it's too far back, your neck can look bigger than it actually should. So if people come in like, I need neck liposuction. Like, actually, we could do a little neck liposuction, but what we really need is some projection in your chin. Mm-hmm. And so there's a book I recommend you read. If you're into some of this, this wellness and natural stuff, it's called Breath by James Nestor. Any and he talks about how how kids are given soft foods and they're bottle fed and not they're not breastfed and so their jaws are not developing like normal and 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 when the advent of soft foods and and food processed food and farm food came out that's when people started having bad teeth and all this other stuff i know i'm going on a tangent but if you want to avoid your kid from having a chin implant breastfeed them and give them solid food to, to eat on. Don't that is nose, really fascinating. soft baby food, all that stuff just stops the stem cells from kind of delivering to the jaw area and you get less jaw growth. Wait, is this book also the one where he talks about the importance of breathing from your nose? Yes. Think- That's his main thing, right? Okay. So like, okay, okay, so okay. like I do some crazy stuff now. I tape my mouth shut at night. So I breathe through my nose exclusively. Yeah. I actually want to try. I mean, I, I'm yeah. not a mouth breather to begin with, yes. but like I want to really optimize that as well. Yeah. Breathing is very powerful. You got to yeah. read his book. Okay. I, I will definitely be into it. Okay. So then you have the chin, chin implants, the neck lipo, yes. anything else? You know, some ear surgery. So people are noticing prominent ears. Really? You know? Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's fascinating. That. yeah. I know. So a lot of facial related stuff. And what about the lips, because this yeah. was like a big thing. Do you see it fading a little bit more? A What's little bit. On? Kylie's kind of backed off and I'm yeah. thankful because she's she's more into more than the natural look. She mm-hmm. got them dissolved and she came out and admitted finally, okay, I have my lips done, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think people are, are are going more into kind of some natural looking things, which I think is good. So yeah. thanks to her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people, I, I see that as well. Yeah. So, okay, to end the show, I yeah. want to do a quick rapid fire sure. round. So first one, what is one b- big dream you had that didn't work out? Mm. Or did you always know you wanted to be a surgeon? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be a paleontologist when I was a kid. Wow, yeah, very cool. I wanted to study dinosaurs and I'm still fascinated by dinosaurs. I, I, I read my kids' dinosaur books and I secretly do that so that I can learn more about dinosaurs. Like and Ross from Friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pivot, you guys remember that episode? Yeah, so good. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah. And then I, I try, I take them to museums and they're, they are, they like dinosaurs too. So Maybe one of them will be a paleontologist. Maybe. Just who knows? Maybe I just live vicariously. What is one wellness hack that you love? 
Mm. I have this ring, it's called the Aura Ring, and it tracks my sleep. It's probably the single most important thing you can do is actually figure out a ways ways to get better sleep at night. So whether you get rid of all the this screen time right before bed, you get rid of any of the red lights uh, or little dots from like electronics, mm-hmm. you shut off uh, electricity in your room, you turn off the Wi-Fi, all of that can be kind of tracked with this ring, this Aura Ring. And I don't have any stakeholder in it, but it just, it gives me a little summary of my sleep every morning, which I think is very important so that I can figure out how to optimize my sleep. Every Very night. cool. Yeah. What is one book you recommend everyone reads? Well, we just talked about it, Nestor. But I'll tell you another one. If you can't read Nestor's Breath, um, Wim Hof Method by this guy, Wim Hof. He's all into basically cold therapy and taking cold showers, the benefits of that, which I actually recommend to a lot of my patients to do prior to surgery. So it helps them with pain control afterwards, helps them with anxiety and so on and so forth. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Barrett. This yeah. was a joy. And thank you. And thanks for um, being a patient as well. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people, learn and unlearn, and have a lot of fun. See you next week.